The following audio is from First Baptist Pelham in Pelham, Alabama. More information about First Baptist Pelham is available at fbcpelham.org. You have your Bibles. Will you turn with me to the third chapter of First Timothy? And I'd like to read uh, beginning in verse 13 through verse 16. And I believe we have that on the screen. All right. And when you find that, uh, would you please stand in honor of reading of God's Word? For they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves a good degree, and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. These things write I unto you, hoping to come unto you shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou ought to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar of And the ground of truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Brother Mike left me with an awesome task of talking about the church today. And as I began to look at uh, what the church meant, what God intended for the church to be, I thought about what Jesus said in Matthew 16, uh, verses 13 through 20, when he says he was going to build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it or stand against it. And when I thought about that, I thought, well, now, how did this turn out? We don't have a lot of history uh, in the Bible except for the first century. And so we can turn to uh, how the church materialized in that first century. And one of the places that we find is the verses that I read in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now, the Apostle Paul is writing to young Timothy... Uh, the pastor of the church, as he's telling him how the church ought to behave, how they ought to work together. Now, in that beginning of that first chapter, uh, uh, the first few verses of that third chapter, he talks about how to uh, set aside godly leaders. Now, we call them pastors. That word there in the Greek is overseer. And so he begins to tell him how to set aside godly pastors and godly deacons and godly leaders. And so we can see from this, uh, these few verses that we've read that there is an order in which the church ought to operate. Now I want to talk to you about the church today and I want us to uh, do a kind of a checkup and see how we're doing as a church. Now the first thing I want to remind you of is that the church is not an institution. Sometimes we think about the church as being an institution. If I were to ask you where the church was, many of you would say 2867 Pelham Parkway. Well, that's not where the church is. It happens to be where the church is right now. But when you go home, the church is where you live. Because you are the church. The church is not an institution. The church is an organism. 
a living, growing organism, the body of Christ. And it's, but it's also an organization. In fact, every organism has to be organized or else it will destroy itself. The human body is like a living organism, a highly organized machine. Every part of the body is so organized that if one part fails, the whole body is affected. And the definition of a cancerous cell in the body is a cell that's gone wild and is refusing to submit to the organization of the rest of the body. And so, in order that the church might survive and do well, the church has to be a living organism, but it also has to be an organization. We have to have good leaders and good leadership, and that implies organization. Now, the Apostle Paul is dealing with every aspect of the local church in 1 Timothy chapter 3. In the first seven verses of that chapter, which we did not read, but I'm sure you can read it and you've heard it had been read many times, he deals with a New Testament pastor. He deals with the qualifications of the pastor, the personal qualifications, the family qualifications, and his qualifications of leadership in the local body. And then in verses 8 through 13, he deals with the qualifications of a New Testament deacon. He talks about their qualifications, their conduct, as they function in the local church. Every church deserves to have godly pastors and godly deacons. In fact, the well-being of the church demands and depends on having good leadership. Now, with good leadership, uh, the church thrives. Without good leadership, the church flounders, and without good fellowship, the church will struggle and will be rendered impotent in the community. Now, in the days ahead, our church is faced with an awesome task of finding and calling out God's man to lead this congregation, and we must do everything in our power to discover God's choice for this position. In 1 Timothy 3, 13 through 16, he talks about the church. Now, there's some confusion about what he means about the church. Is he talking about the church as a universal, mystical body of Christ? Or is he talking about the local congregation, the expression of that mystical body of Christ? Well, I remind you that in the New Testament... Almost every place we find, he's talking about a local congregation. For instance, if you open your Bible and you see the book of Ephesians, it will say, the letter to the church at Ephesus. The church, the letter to the, to the church at Colossae, to Galatians. Almost every place, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, you find that he's talking about a local expression of, of the universal church. And so we're when we talk about the church, we're talking about the church locally. And in this, uh, in this uh, verses that I have read, he says, if I tarry long, I want you to know how the church ought to behave. 
Now, that's always good to know, the ground rules. So what is, a, what is a church? What is a church? How do they behave? Well, in my understanding of the church, God's glorious church is built on relationships. Now, I want you to listen very closely. I don't want anybody to go out of this church today saying, Brother Paul does not believe in church membership. But I want to tell you something. You can't join the church. You can't join the church. You have to be born into the church. You come into the church by the new birth. The only way you can get into the church of the Lord Jesus is to be born into the church. You come in through the new birth. It's not like a country club or an organization where you decide, well, I'm going to go down. They're doing a good job, so I'm going to go down and join them. And then what usually happens when we go down and join those good organizations, we go for a little while, and then we decide, well, I'm, no, I'm not getting anything out of it, and so I'm not going to go and participate any longer. You can't do the church that way. It's not a country club. It's not an organization. It's the body of Christ, and the only way you can get into the church is to be born into the kingdom of God. So first of all, the church is built on relationships, relationships that begins with a new birth. By the virtue of the fact that you've been born again, God has put you into the body of Christ. And I want to tell you, you can't get out. Yeah, you can die and get out. But you can't get out of the body of Christ. You're either born again or you're lost. One of the two. Now, I know that sounds very narrow-minded, but the Bible is kind of narrow-minded when it comes to the new birth. Jesus said, you must be born again. And as Nicodemus looked at him and said, how can this possibly be? How can this be? Jesus explained by saying, you've got to be born from above, spiritually. If you're born one time, you're going to die twice. You're going to die spiritually and you're going to die physically. If you're born twice, you only die once. You only die physically. I, when he said, you will never die, he meant exactly that. Now, one day, you're probably going to hear or read in the paper or that I have died. Well, I want to tell you, I just died physically. When I was born again on that Tuesday morning in rural Alabama at Bethel Baptist Church, I have been born never to die again. So you are born and never to die if you're born into the kingdom of God. But now we have to establish relationship with Christ and come together to further the cause of, of Christ in this community. Now what is First Baptist Church Pelham? Well, that's a group of born-again believers who have come together, who have coveted together that they're going to further the kingdom of God in this community, in this state, in this nation, and around the world. That's what we're here for. We're here for no other reason. We're not here to, to have a good time. We're not here. We have a good time. I had a good time this morning. And we're not here to have a good time. We're not here 
to pat ourselves on the back. We're here to further the kingdom of God around the world. That's the only reason that we're here. And so we've got to learn to work together. Now, maybe uh, we need to understand that the new birth is absolutely essential to be a member of the church. Maybe that's the reason why, and I'm thinking out loud here, maybe that's the reason that our church has about 2,800 members on our membership row, and we have about 1,200 that really participate. Does that ever bother you? It bothers me. Because I'm not here to judge, but I know from reading the Word of God that when you're born into the, to the kingdom of God, into the body of Christ, that you're there for eternity. Now, that reminds me that if we have all of these members and only about half or less participate, I wonder if there has been a new birth in the life of all of those who are not participating. I'm just thinking out loud. I don't know. I'm not meddling. Just thinking out loud. Well, Jesus said, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, go to all the world and make disciples. Uh, baptize them. Teach them to observe all things whatever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the ends of the earth. So if this is our commission to go on to all the world and preach the gospel and teach the Word of God, then why aren't we doing it? I'll let you answer that. The local church is established on a relationship with Jesus Christ. The local church also must build relationships with each member. Have you ever asked yourself, stood in front of the mirror and looked in the mirror and said, how am I going to spend eternity with whatever his name is, and I can't get along with him down here. Have you ever asked yourself that question? I'm asking you today, how are we going to get along in heaven with people we can't get along with down here? Because we're only here with them for a short time. Read a guy, about a guy who lived to be 118 years old the other day, and then he died. But if you took 118 years and matched it with eternity, it'd be like a drop in a bucket. Now, we're going to have to spend an eternity with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we can't get along with them and work with them down here, how are we going to do it when we get to heaven? You say, well, Brother Paul, when I get to heaven, I'll be perfect. Well, yes, you will. But you ought to be striving for that here. You may not be reaching it, but you ought to be striving for it. it. It takes cooperation with one another to further the kingdom of God. Now, I don't always get along with all the members of my family. But I, they're still family. You see, we can, be disagree, we can disagree with people without being disagreeable, right? And sometimes we feel like that if, if everybody doesn't think alike, that we just can't get along with them. We well, see, the church is a place where we build relationships with one another. We don't get there instantaneously. We have to build those relationships. And then God's glorious church bears responsibility. Every member of God's glorious church bears certain responsibility. As a member of the body of Christ, what are we responsible for? Well, every member has to be accountable to God 
how we participate in the body. Now, each one of us is different. We have different functions. We have different responsibilities in the Bible. We can't all be pastors and deacons and teachers and, and, uh, and, and servants in, in, in particular roles. But we all are important in the body of Christ. I uh, happened to think this morning when I, in that first message that I talked about, you know, how many of you would like to be an armpit? Well, you know they're important in the body. All of us can't be noses and ears and mouths and arms and legs and, 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 and whatever we have. All of, every once in a while, we have to be something that is not all that appealing. But do you know that in the body of Christ that every one of these functions are important? You can't get along without them. They're absolutely important. And sometimes we feel like if we can't be the preacher or we can't be the deacon, we'll just be inactive. Let me tell you something. I don't know whether you know it or not, but God doesn't have any inactive members. He really does. That, that's a category that's completely outside of his realm of possibility. He has no inactive members. Every member of First Baptist Church bears an individual responsibility. If we would do that, we would be lacking for nothing. I be, believe that God has put in every church the spiritual gifts that will cause that church to grow and multiply and reach out to a lost and dying world. In my first full-time church, I went to a church that had had a lot of problems in its past. And we had, uh, we had about 16 or 18 little boys running around there. And I'd never been an RA in my life. I was raised out in the country. We didn't know what RAs was. And so I got me a book. And I started reading that book. And so I started gathering those little boys on Saturday morning out in front of the church. And we played basketball, and, and we played all kinds of little sports games. And then I taught them the Word of God. And I'd, I got up on Sunday a lot of times, and I'd say, Folks, I need an RA leader. Would somebody please volunteer? All the men. You know, they sat there like this. And one day in desperation, you see what you do in desperation you begin to pray. One day I was sitting in my office and I began to pray. I said, God, if we don't find somebody in this church that'll be an RA leader, save me somebody. And a few weeks later we were in revival and there'd been a guy up the street I'd been witnessing to. And in that revival he made a profession of faith. Next Saturday morning I was sitting down at the church. Had about 20, 18 or 20 boys out there running up and down. Looked like a, a ball game had just turned out. They were everywhere. Lester Fretwell drove up and he said, Brother Paul, what you doing? I said, I'm having RAs. He said, can I help? I said, you sure can. Take, take these 10 boys and go down there and play basketball with them while I teach these up here on the, on the front steps of the church. And he took them down and played basketball and I taught them in the, out of the book. And, and then I got the ones from playing ball up here on the steps and I taught them while he played ball with the rest of them. In about three months, Lester Fretwell became my RA leader. God has saved him. He was a man of great influence 
Those boys loved him. Lester went home to be with the Lord last year. No telling how many lives he touched. Sometimes we have to say, God, save me an RA leader. Save me a godly deacon or save me a godly teacher. If we get desperate, we'll start praying like that. If we would all do the job that God's called us to do in this church, we would never lack for leadership. We would either be teaching or serving in some capacity, or we would be in training for teaching and serving in some capacity. That's why we have discipleship training on Sunday night. It's for some of us to get trained so we can be leaders where God put us and where He's trying to put us. But you know what happens most of all? We treat the church like a spectator sport. We go out to the football game, and there's 100,000 people in the stand, and there's 22 guys on the field knocking one another's heads off. And at the end of the game, uh, 1,011 people say, we won the game. No, you didn't. 11 men won the game. The rest of you were spectators. Sometimes that's the way we treat the church. We try to treat the church like a spectator sport. You know, sometimes we feel like that, uh, that we're doing all we can do in the church. Well, there's always more that we can do. If we were doing what we should be doing, we'd never lack for leadership. And we would never lack for financial support. We spend $200 for that ticket to go to the Alabama game. And we spend $100 for refreshments and $50 to park our car. And we don't even know if it's going to be there when we get back. And then we come on Sunday morning and tip God to a 20. Somewhere along the line, our priorities have gotten messed up, right? I think so. We'd never lack for financial responsibility if we were doing what we ought to be doing. But you say, well, Brother Paul, you see, I earned that money with the sweat of my brow. You need to read Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17. You may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Whenever you get feeling important for yourself, you ought to read that verse. God's glorious church are those who's bearing their responsibility. God's glorious church are those who are broadcasting the Redeemer. Broadcasting the Redeemer. We sing that song, we have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. I heard that joyful sound one day as a teenage boy. Came to know the Lord Jesus as my personal Savior. But there's some more to that song that we don't sing as, with as much gusto. Spread the tilings all around, Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. Climb the steep and cross the ways. Onward, tis our Lord's command. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Every member is responsible for telling what the Lord has done in their life. I, I, I thought about uh, a, a suppose. Suppose you were driving down the road and all of a sudden the cars began to stop in front of you. There was some big commotion down there ahead of you. 
You say, like every good citizen, you wanted to see what was going on. You parked your car on the side of the street, and you went walking down to see if you could help. You noticed that there was a, a huge car accident. There, there were a mangled cars together down there, and you got down close by, and you knew that there was somebody in that car that they couldn't get out. And all of a sudden, a voice came from that car and said, Mr., can you tell me how to get to heaven? And like a good Baptist, you said, hold up, Brother Mike, could you tell this lady how to be saved? Brother, if you can't tell them how to be saved, you ought to learn how to do it. If you can't tell them how to be saved, you need to start learning how to do it. The best thing you can do is just tell them what Jesus has done for you. If he hadn't done anything for you, you hadn't got anything to say. You need to find out what he can do for you. And then you just need to tell people what the Lord can do for them. Because he's done that for me. Now, there's no bigger, bigger fan in this church than an Auburn fan. But I want to tell you, I'm a bigger Jesus fan. And I know we can yell like Comanche Indians at the ball game. And we sit like wooden Indians at the church. Every member is responsible to talk up Jesus. Now, when we got that new baby born in the family, we like to talk it up, right? Got that film, we're going to show them. Somebody gets a promotion in your family, we want to brag on your kids, right? Have you ever thought about bragging on Jesus? We see Paul knew that probably somebody would not know how to do that, and so he gave us a theme song. Verse 16 is our theme song. He says, He appeared in a body. John 1, 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He was vindicated by the Spirit. Matthew records in his baptism that the heavens opened, and they saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. He was seen by angels. I don't know about you, but when I was born, that no angels sung at my birth, but they sung at his. Preached among the nations and believed in the world. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew 16 and 15. Then he was taken up in glory. You know, I have a little problem with the King James Version in verse 16. In the Greek, he says he was taken up in glory. Now, whoever the translators decided, they would make it into. Not destination. I don't think that's what he's talking about. He was taken up in glory. Wouldn't you have liked to have been standing on that mountain when Jesus began to rise and go into the heavens? And the Spirit said, why standing here being amazed this same Jesus that you've seen go up will come again in like manner? Wouldn't, it, wouldn't you have had a wonderful time to have celebrated? No wonder those disciples come off of that mountain and they couldn't wait to tell people about Jesus. No wonder, because they saw him in all of his glory. Is there anything that you could tell people about Jesus? Can you talk him up? We need to talk him up. Our new pastor deserves a whole congregation full of members who are excited about the Savior, who are in love with one another. 
and who are thrilled about what Jesus is doing in our midst, we hold the keys to his success. If we want somebody to come in here and lead this congregation for another 35 years to great height, we must have He must have our cooperation. He must have our support. He must have our trust and our involvement. We're a part of the body of Christ. So what will it be? What will it be, church? Will it be business as usual? Or will it be business unusual? The choice is ours. We can get our lives straightened out, we can, as a member of First Baptist Church Pelham, can say, I am all in every day, in every way, to the rest of my life. Or we can say, God, I'll give you the leftovers. And that's what a lot of people do. God forbid that we should be a part of the greatest body on the face of the earth the body of the Lord Jesus, and give him the scraps in our life. God forbid. God grant it be so that we are all in, every way, in every day, until Jesus calls us home. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the Word of God that helps us to understand what we should be doing, how to behave in the church of the living God. And I pray, dear Father, that you might reach out and touch our hearts today. Lord, if there's somebody here that's never trusted the Lord Jesus, help them to know that the only way into the church is through the new birth. And all they have to do is open their heart and let Jesus give them spiritual life. And I pray, dear Father, that you might call some out of this congregation, even today, to give their heart and life to Jesus. And then, Father, help us to be able to say Uh, to our fellow church members here at First Baptist Pelham. You can count on me. I'm all in. I'm all sold out for the Lord. And I pray, dear Father, that we'll back that up with our life and with our testimony. Now, Father, if there are those who may need to make other decisions, I pray that you would call them out of their pews today that you might receive the glory and the honor and the praise. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. What you were saying, Miss Paula? Hymn 596. 596. Would you come if God speaks to your heart today? Make that decision He's laying on your heart right now to do. Come as we sing. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about First Baptist Pelham and other free resources like this one, log on to fbcpelham.org.